0: Welcome to the InFocus podcast. My name is Ubeda Hamid, and I'm your host for this episode, which is part of our Expert View series on COVID-19. In an earlier episode of this podcast series, We discussed some of the initial questions and concerns around a vaccine for COVID-19, specifically looking at the question of why the development of a vaccine could take 12-18 to months. We looked at the various stages that go into developing vaccines. In the few weeks since then, the scientific community has moved with amazing speed. There are over 90 vaccine candidates currently under development and two vaccine candidates, one from the Jenner Institute at Oxford and the other from the Moderna Lab in Seattle at, at an advanced stage that vaccine manufacturers are willing to roll out production by later this year, even without them getting final approvals. What this global race has done is brought to light several different methods of creating a vaccine, several different ways to approach the problem. Some of them are as yet unproven. In that situation, following the news about new vaccine trials and updates that are bound to come in thick and fast over the next several months and can get confusing, we in this podcast decided to go into detail about the different methods being used to create a vaccine, who is following which method, and what the advantages and drawbacks to each are. My guest today is Dr. E. Kumar, a senior scientist at the Molecular Virology Laboratory at the Rajiv Gandhi Center for Biotechnology in Thiruvananthapuram. Good afternoon, Dr. Shrikumar, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. This podcast, we're going to be talking about vaccine development and the various kinds of technologies involved. There are close to 100 or more potential vaccine projects in development across the world right now and it's a real race for time as the coronavirus pandemic surges. Has the world ever seen such a frenzied pace of vaccine development, which in itself is actually a task of careful calibration and extensive documented studies, generally taking 10 years or more, right doctor?
1: I think uh, this is unprecedented. Uh, We have seen this to some extent during uh, the The 2002 SARS epidemic, but uh, later on, uh, maybe because there was not much of uh, spread of the pandemic, I mean, SARS epidemic at that time, uh, it subsided. Then uh, during Ebola outbreaks also, we could see some uh, frenzied uh, vaccine development programs, but later on that also subsided. But such an activity that is uh, spread across almost all major countries now, I think uh, Almost all major uh, countries are into vaccine production and across the world. And I, I think it, it was definitely not seen any time before.
0: Uh, doctor, let's talk a little bit about the different technologies in vaccine design. Uh, and there are so many technologies being used just now. And and some of these are so new that they haven't been used in licensed vaccines before. That's true. So basically speaking, doctor, one way of uh, making a vaccine is uh, through a weakened virus or an inactivated virus right such as we use uh, in the vaccines for measles and polio. Yeah. Uh, the Serum Institute of India is uh, working with the, uh, the weakened form of the common cold virus for one of their vaccine developments that, right? That's true. Could you explain to us a little bit doctor about this uh, particular technology? How is the weakened virus or an inactivated virus used uh, in order for in order to provide a vaccine for the human body?
1: see uh, let me start from uh, the basic uh, types of vaccines that uh, that is available see one is yeah. a, one is the concept of a whole virus vaccine okay is a, second is a concept of a, a subunit vaccine and third okay. is the concept of a nucleic acid based vaccine and uh, okay. maybe as a fourth category we can include vectored vaccines so in the yes. in the first category which uses this whole virus vaccine uh, there are two subclasses one is the live attenuated vaccine and the inactivated vaccine this live uh, these are the classical uh, vaccine production techniques that uh, we have used for many many uh, vaccines that is currently available and it's routinely used in uh, human immunization so in the uh, inactivated vaccine it is the the simpler approach you take the you grow the virus in culture inactivate it with uh, some chemicals uh, or uh, some method that is possible. And mostly it is a chemical inactivation method that we use. For example, uh, the rabies virus vaccine that we use, it is inactivated with a compound called beta-propylactone. So, this is uh, the simplest form of vaccine production. Uh, But it has uh, uh, its own uh, disadvantages. Like uh, you need to grow the virus in large quantity, uh, which is a virulent virus that you are growing. And you need to have all the biosafety requirements for growing the virus. And especially for a virus like sars coronavirus or this uh, COVID-19, which is a uh, BSL-3 uh, pathogen, growing such large quantities of virus itself uh, is, a, is a big challenge. But the vaccine production is very straightforward. You inactivate the virus and uh, use it as a, a small doses as vaccine. And uh, 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 coming to the second approach, that is a live attenuated vaccine. Uh, there are uh, different uh, modalities uh, uh, for uh, for doing that so one of the one of the modality is uh, uh, looking for naturally available variants of the virus which is which is attenuated so uh-huh. uh, sometimes what happens is during this outbreak we will see that very mild forms of the disease happens or some people who are infected does not develop disease and uh, those kind of very attenuated uh, viral strains if we can isolate and uh, and make them as vaccine candidates those are naturally attenuated viruses second approach would be we passage these viruses in uh, in cell lines or in, in animals again and again and again and again for large number of passages this will attenuate the, the virus uh, and uh, it will lose its virulence and that can be used as a vaccine candidate now uh, another approach that, uh, uh, which, which is with this genetic engineering or this uh, molecular cloning techniques that is available, uh, we can uh, use a, a, a kind of approach called a, a de-optimized or de optimized kind of vaccine, wherein we can uh, de-optimize the coding potential of this virus and uh, we can uh, make some vac- uh, I mean, attenuated strains out of that. So, these these are the categories of attenuated uh, strains of vaccine. So, this all comes in the whole virus vaccines. Yeah, now uh, I can can come to the second category which is uh, the subunit vaccine wherein if we identify an immunogenic uh, protein of the virus, we can uh, make that uh, immunogenic protein alone and use that purified protein as a vaccine candidate so one of the uh, common vaccine that we use in that category is the hepatitis b vaccine uh, which is the, the which is a subunit vaccine the the third approach is using nucleic acid usually it is a dna uh, which is coding for this uh, particular protein and uh, that can be used as a vaccine or now the new concept is using the rna that is the mrna which is coding a protein as a vaccine candidate so that is that is a third approach in the fourth approach what we use is We have some vectors like adenovirus vectors, vesicular stromatitis virus vectors. So we put our uh, gene of interest into these uh, uh, another virus and and use that uh, modified virus as a vaccine candidate. So these are the uh, four different approaches that we can use for in general developing vaccines.
0: Uh, Tell us a little bit about the nucleic acid vaccines, doctor. Have they ever been used in licensed vaccines as of now?
1: Now, there are no uh, licensed Nucleic Acid vac- I mean, uh, Vaccines available uh, currently in market but the, the, the research has been going on for a very long time and, uh, and uh, uh, prototype vaccine or in the, the preclinical development has been happened for many vaccines but at, at present there are no licensed vaccines available as a Nucleic Acid Vaccine. The problem with the Nucleic Acid Vaccine uh, many times is that the kind of the delivery system that we use, usually we inject the vaccine into, into, the, into the patient. But for this, we need uh, different types of uh, injection systems like uh, the, the gene delivery, uh, gene gun systems uh, for delivering the uh, nucleic acid into the cell. It yeah. will be one of the reasons why they are not very popular. But uh, nucleic acid vaccines have got a lot of other advantages, especially the DNA vaccine. When we use it, is it is very stable. See, we, uh, as, as most of us know, the in, in, uh, in our body, there are two kinds of immunity. One is the humoral immunity and the cell mediated immunity. So, when we use the many times this inactivated vaccines or subunit vaccines, only one arm of the immune response is uh, stimulated, that is the humoral uh, arm of the immune response which will produce the antibody. But for getting a complete protection and also a long-standing memory, uh, we need the cellular immunity also equally boosted and uh, this DNA vaccines or this nucleic acid vaccines are good for boosting both the arms of the uh, immune system. So, We expect that that will uh, give us a much better protection uh, or a a complete spectrum of protection uh, when we use DNA vaccine. But the delivery uh, is a little more tricky. So that that could be one reason why it has not become very popular.
0: Uh, Talk to us a little bit more about the uh, other technology that you mentioned, doctor, where we use a weakened form of a virus, inject other genetic material into it. And then make it into a vaccine such as the one that uh, the Serum Institute of India and Oxford University are working okay, on.
1: Okay, that is, the, that is the vectored vaccine. So, so we have, uh, I mean, many times what we do is, suppose we have a successful attenuated vaccine available. We can engineer that uh, basic genome uh, mm-hmm. uh, by putting some uh, protein coding region. For example, in case of coronavirus, we know that the, the, the spike protein is the one that is important for immunogenicity. We can take out this spike protein coding segment from the genome of a coronavirus, as COVID 19, and put that into an influenza virus or into an adenovirus or into a vesicular stomatitis virus. And this virus will act as the backbone of the vaccine. And this virus will normally replicate, or it will act as a live attenuated kind of vaccine, but along with the replication by, during production of the, their own proteins. Uh, This uh, new engineered virus will produce the uh, coronavirus uh, spike protein also. And uh, we will get an immunity for uh, both these uh, 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 proteins. Like uh, suppose we are using an influenza virus, uh, I mean uh, some of the components of the influenza virus as the backbone. We will get immunity to influenza virus. Along with that we will uh, get immunity to the coronavirus also. So that is the that is the advantage. We can combine multiple uh, infectious agents into uh, one vaccine using this kind of a technology.
0: But will they be as efficacious as the nucleic acid vaccines, Doctor? Will they stimulate both arms of the immune system Definitely that you mentioned? They for?
1: will stimulate both arms of the immunity because that is the kind of live uh, attenuated kind of vaccine. Uh, they will go inside the uh, in into, into the patient they will cause a very mild infection in the in the local area that is not a kind of a disease but it will uh, uh, infect the cells and replicate and uh, they will replicate inside the cell and during that replication process they will stimulate both arms of the immune response that that will be a very uh, very effic- efficacious vaccine that
0: Doctor, talking about uh, efficiency, uh, what does research tell us about the mutations of the virus that we are currently facing? Uh, If the virus continues to mutate, will this have an impact on the efficacy of the vaccine? And some researchers are saying that they are not expecting more than a 60% success rate even if we do get a vaccine. Is that good enough?
1: Okay. Now, uh, see, scientists have identified many genetic variants of this virus. Okay, while okay. we see most of these variations in the genome level, some of them get reflected in the protein level also. So, when we sequence the viral genome, we will initially find that some of the nucleotides are different from the parent coronavirus COVID-19, but uh, some of them will get translated in the protein level also. And uh, uh, we have been, when we compare these sequences and we will see that there are variations in the spike protein. Uh, gen- I mean, what we have seen is so far, None of these variations change the serotype of the virus, even though okay. they are genetic variants, they can be neutralized by the same antibody that is produced against the parent virus. So, that, that itself means that with, the, with a single vaccine that we have produced for the parent virus, we can neutralize the new newer strains also, we do not have to worry about that. But that is not the case with the disease like dengue where we have 4 serotypes where uh, we have to have separate vaccines uh, for each of the serotypes to get the immune response. So, that way, uh, coronavirus, this uh, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 has only one serotype. We need only one type of vaccine uh, for neutralizing or making the vaccine. Uh, Then, but but for dengue kind of diseases, we need uh, separate vaccines for each of the serotypes. So, that is the difference.
0: Okay. Doctor, the Pune B. Serum Institute of India started work 10 days ago on manufacturing in parallel to the human safety trials, the vaccine that they're working on with the Oxford group.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, India has an advantage in terms that uh, it ha- produces a majority of the world's vaccines. Yeah. So if, if we are going to be, if India is going to be the country that does produce the vaccine, uh, how, how will the, it's, how will the delivery of the vaccine to the Indian population work out?
1: Okay, we see that most of the vaccines that are in the advanced phase of development against coronavirus are, uh, are the so-called uh, new generation vaccines. Even this uh, in, uh, the engineered vaccine that uh, this uh, Serum Institute that is producing is also a kind of new generation vaccine. So I think uh, all these technologies will be attached with an IPR and most of these manufacturers um, would like to have this, uh, I mean, uh, technology, uh, I mean, uh, to be used for uh, getting their uh, investments uh, back. So, uh, I don't know, like, whether how freely this will be available, even though the UNGA uh, adopted a resolution, uh, how these manufacturers will be so open-minded to sell it at a very low cost without any profit. uh, I mean, that is one thing we need to see. And also, uh, already this uh, Corona, COVID-19 has also a lot of uh, political uh, implications. I mean, so, maybe most of the countries, uh, they would be uh, initially uh, I mean, wanting to use this vaccine for their population. And if, if at all something is uh, remaining as a balance, maybe they would be interested to share to other countries. So, we don't know what, what way this is going to come out in the long run. But, um, I mean, there is a good decision that the UNGA has uh, been, uh, made. And uh, if, if that is, uh, I mean, uh, practiced well, maybe we will also get a good share of the, the, the vaccine for uh, use in the country.
0: Right, that's, that, that's what we're hoping for. Yes. Uh, doctor, um, we are producing, or at least the, uh, the ongoing research for this vaccine is happening in record time. As you said, this is unprecedented, right? Yes. Generally, it takes about maybe 10 years or so to produce a vaccine. And it's also not always successful, correct? That is true. So, uh, what are we doing differently this time, doctor? Are we bypassing any any sort of studies? Are we bypassing any sort of protocols that would generally uh, make it take far longer to produce the vaccine?
1: In the case of uh, COVID-19, we have some advantages. Based on our experience with SARS, we know that uh, what are the key protective antigens in this vaccine. So, okay. uh, we are sure that it is going to reduce the pre-clinical development time. So, in a vaccine, the pre-clinical development time is the maximum time that uh, that uh, that is required. So, for uh, on an average, in a regular pace of developing a vaccine takes around 10 to 12 years uh, mm-hmm. to to roll out a vaccine and out of that, almost 9 to 10 years is for the pre-clinical development and doing the animal studies and all that. So, in this particular case, uh, I mean, uh, we have... Uh, this uh, already the uh, pre-clinical part has been reduced greatly. Second thing is, uh, I mean, uh, most of the developing countries, they were working with this uh, sars coronavirus virus previously, and they have many systems in ready, because this virus uses the same receptor, that angiotensin converting and SARS-2 receptor, which was used by the uh, Hong Kong SARS. So, the same kind of an animal model, if they have available that can be readily used for evaluating these vaccine platforms also. And uh, now, what is anticipated is uh, around 12 to 18 months, in whatever uh, minimi- whatever minimum time that we can uh, take for this vaccine production, considering every factors, it will uh, still be t- uh, 12, 12 to uh, 18 months to have this vaccine rolling out. Th- that is because many of these uh, trials, we have to do, a, it's, it's always, it's a prime boost technology th- that we give an initial vaccination. After a few weeks, we have to give a booster vaccination. Then again, maybe another booster vaccination. Then only we can look at the uh, immune response in the, in, the, in, the, in the patients or in the vaccinated individuals. So, uh, this time we cannot reduce. This is a biological time that is required. So, whenever we do uh, a vaccination, the immune system has to be triggered. It has to produce the antibodies. The cell mediated immune response has to be activated. All these processes have to happen and it takes around 2 to 3 weeks. And and finally, when this is reproduced as an immune response in the serum and and comes to a titer, uh, which is a protective titer, it will again come to 2 to 3 months. So, that time lag, we cannot uh, reduce further. So, uh, in, in a, in a, in a, if, if we consider as, a, as an, an, a, a true assessment, it will be minimum 12 to 18 months, even in a very accelerated uh, uh, pace, that these vaccines will be coming out.
0: That was going to be my next question, doctor. So, realistically speaking, we are even now a year away?
1: Definitely. We will definitely we'll be a year away. Minimum uh, and, uh, 12 months will be uh, required for uh, getting these vaccines out.
0: Even if we do get a vaccine, doctor, How should we go about vaccinating our population? Should uh, the elderly and the other at-risk people get the first shot? Uh, In terms of vaccine coverage and the time taken to achieve it, what does the Indian experience with other diseases such as polio and Japanese encephalitis uh, tell us?
1: India has one of the largest immunization programs in the world. And uh, as we know, uh, the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare has implemented several successful vaccination drives. This this uh, uh, pulse polio drive was a classical example. Now, uh, yes. recently, uh, I think in 2018 they had uh, an intensified mission Indra Thanush, uh, that's right. Uh, yeah, which was uh, I mean uh, which was launched to increase the vaccine coverage, and uh, they could achieve around uh, 19 20 uh, percent increase in the vaccination. So in that is that was focused on children, and uh, now we have around 70 percentage of uh, the primary immunisation coverage in children, and that is that is on all india basis but in a, in a, in a states in, in several states like uh, southern states like tamil nadu kerala the vaccination coverage has yes, uh, is much much better now the question is what should be our uh, target population now yes. uh, in, in such a big country like india producing uh, large doses of this vaccine in a very short time see what what we anticipate is we should suppose the vaccine is available today we should be able to vaccinate the all of in, all the people in india maybe in a month's time less than a month's time so producing that much doses of vaccine i don't think any facility will be able to do that in such a short time so the shortage of vaccine production will be one of the biggest challenges now With with the available uh, uh, low number of these vaccine doses, how to use it very effectively? So, we have to have some target populations. So, the the, the primary target population in such a case would be the healthcare workers uh, who are in the front line of catching the infection. So, we may have to vaccinate all the healthcare workers. Then the second vulnerable group would be the elderly population of the country uh, who will be above 65 or 70 years of age and who should be vaccinated uh, I mean, so that they they don't get the disease because they are very vulnerable then third category would be uh, uh, people who are suffering from comorbidities that is mainly it is uh, diabetes and hypertension they are the vulnerable category so a uh, category of the population so once we prioritize uh, this uh, in, in this way maybe we will be able to adjust the available doses uh, in a very effectively so suppose we focus these target groups and also i mean maybe even the younger group of people are getting affected naturally so together uh, the herd immunity percentage will be much much higher which will uh, definitely help us in controlling the disease so the 60% produced by the vaccination and the the the, the remaining contributed by the the natural uh, infection that is happening in the healthy population. So altogether on an average, we will get around 60 to 70% of herd immunity, which is usually sufficient to control uh, this disease.
0: So the goal to make it manageable is vaccine along with ensuring eventually over time that herd immunity develops in order to manage the disease. And even if it becomes endemic, to be able to live with it longer.
1: Definitely, definitely. That is why we all of us are looking forward to this vaccine. Uh, But, uh, I mean, along with that, let me also tell another thing about this particular coronavirus vaccine, don't expect that this vaccine protection or uh, this hope has uh, uh, no negative sides to it, because many times these vaccines, uh, they uh, are, uh, I mean, previous studies have shown that the SARS coronavirus that the Hong Kong SARS when vaccine was produced, uh, this vaccine itself had its own problems. When they were doing animal experiments in some of the animals which were vaccinated, they had lung problems, they had uh, I eosinophil mean, uh, infiltrations, lymphocytic infiltrations into the lung and that was a kind of an adverse vaccine reaction in those animals. And another thing was, in some of these uh, vaccinated uh, animals and uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the exp- in some of the experiments, when they uh, subsequently challenged these animals with a uh, with virulent virus, they found that in the vaccinated animals, there was more uh, amount of, uh, I mean, severity. So, in very rare cases, there is an augmented, uh, an antibody dependent enhancement uh, kind of uh, problem that is happening uh, in, in, in many vaccines. So, we cannot think that this vaccine is going to be a panacea for controlling uh, this uh, coronavirus unless this vaccine is out and we uh, vaccinate individuals and look for this adverse uh, vaccine reactions and see that this is, this is a safe vaccine. Uh, we, we cannot be complacent about uh, developing this uh, 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 or having these vaccines for corona management.
0: So essentially the population should continue to take uh, safety measures on its own as well even if we do have a vaccine, we must continue to practice uh, hand washing, social distancing etc.
1: See, uh, this hand washing, social distancing, it is not corona, uh, COVID-19 specific. It is true for any respiratory infections or any droplet bone diseases. And also like even for conjunctivitis, this hand washing, we see conjunctivitis spreading and du- during seasons and most of the time this is transmitted through our, our own dirty hands. So, this hand washing and also social distancing, we, we know that many, many contagious diseases can be uh, minimized by social distancing. So, um, this practice, though we started during the, the pandemic of COVID-19, uh, if we continue this practice, general disease burden in the community, the morbidity level is definitely going to come down, even it will uh, to some extent prevent this uh, I mean, common upper respiratory tract infections. And also uh, maybe even uh, skin infections and also this kind of con- con- other, other diseases like conjunctivitis and all that. So, uh, Corona has that, ki- that kind of a positive impact. If we continue these uh, this practices, definitely this is going to be good for our health.
0: Right. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Doctor. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you.